Hello, it's Kevin Bay with That's All I Got. The That's All I Got podcast, episode number 14 for July 31st, 2021, which means that this year is heading into the home stretch. It's going to be August 1st tomorrow. Wow. And yet, nothing really has changed. I've titled, at least it's a tentative title for this episode, um, it's tentatively titled, I've Got Nothing. Let me put myself on the screen. As much as I hate looking at myself, my rapidly graying hair and my reverse skunk stripe. It's hard to do this mirror image. Anyway, okay. Episode 14. I was going to do this yesterday, but kind of things got in the way, and I wasn't able to record or do anything. So I'm just throwing this together today. I'm not, I mean, I've got my site set up and everything. Uh, so I can go through it, but I had so many stupid stories last week on my blog and, you know, most of it's COVID related, but everybody's so sick of COVID. I'm going to go through it anyway, I guess, but, uh, I'm sick of it. You're sick of it. We're all sick of it. The only thing we're not sick of is COVID maybe. Oh, and, uh, you know, I was doing this on streaming live last week and I covered some stuff regarding COVID and finally, uh, YouTube actually took my video down. They didn't give me an official strike, but they took it down uh, and told me it was just kind of, because I guess it was a first offense, so I got a, I got a warning. Um, I don't recall exactly, <laughs> exactly what I said, but what I did was, is because it was recorded, um, I went back through the episode and I just eliminated the audio from those portions, and then I... Uh, what did I do there? I just eliminated the audio and I put up a little thing on top of the video saying that audio is removed due to YouTube community guidelines. The transcript is still there, so the transcript will still read um, what I said. And you know, I this this whole thing's got to come to come to a head with companies like YouTube. It's just become untenable that you cannot express an opinion anywhere. And I understand it's their platform, you know, and and I'm only doing it there because I can. You know, it's not like anybody's watching it on YouTube. It's not like yeah, I don't have that many listeners either on podcast. But um, with my podcast, at least it's semi-independent because it's self-hosted. I have an account with DreamHost and all my MP3 files are hosted there. So my RSS feed, when you access the RSS feed, it's pulling the episode from that location so it's not on any other hosting platform other than DreamHost. You know, I suppose DreamHost could have some community guidelines to um, get rid of that content as well. But so far, all that kind of stuff has been relatively, um, I don't know if it's under the radar necessarily, but I think, you know, hosting companies are more uh, content agnostic, you know, plus, you know, I'm not advocating for uh, you know, raping children or, uh, you know, sending people off to a gas chamber. You know, I'm just expressing my opinion on what's happening with the news of the day. <clears throat> Hold on a second. I have to turn on the air conditioner because it is getting warm in this room already. And I can't stand it. In Georgia, 
where I live right now, um, I'm not, you know, I, I've only been here a year and I am not used to this level of heat and humidity. I'm a winter person on top of it. Um, <clears throat> but the air, the air is really thick here. So let me turn on, turn the air up here so I can cool off. All right. So yeah, so YouTube took me down. Um, so I reposted it with all that audio removed. Plus I had music playing last week and I tried to keep it less than 30 seconds, but yet they still came back at me and had copyright flags on all the music content. So then I went back and I tried to shorten the amount of music to like 10 seconds worth uh, and figuring maybe 10 seconds I can get away with, but no, even that got flagged when I re-uploaded it. So I just let them trim it out. You know, I won't put music on it. And what kind of sense does that make anyway with music? The, all the music that I put on my podcast last week, every single one of those has a music video, an accompanying, an accompanying music video. Those music videos were all embedded on my website. So my website could play all these music videos. And if I had advertising on my website, I would be reaping ad revenue from that music playing on my site. But for my podcast, uh, well, I guess the music is on the podcast because nobody has control over that. And I consider that fair use because I only played snippets of it and then I talked about the music. I wasn't playing the music for, the, for music's sake. It wasn't like a radio show where I'm playing music to listen to the music. I was just trying to turn some people on to stuff I was listening to. But YouTube, on the other hand, it gets flagged like that. Boom. So even 10 seconds wasn't allowed. So I just let them trim it out so it's there. You'll hear me talk about a song. You'll see a little still of the music video, and it might even start playing. And then it gets cut, and boom, it goes to the end. Whatever. But anyway, back to, back to this, because I'm just kind of rambling today. Uh, let's go. Okay. I, I think I've said this so many times, but um, I haven't referenced what it is in the podcast. You can see it if you're watching on YouTube. Uh which I really <laughs> I don't have anybody watching this on YouTube at all. Uh, but uh, you can go to, I've got a link on my website. If you go to kevinbay.com, at the top, there's a YouTube uh, link, and I can't remember what I did with it. If it goes straight to the YouTube page or if it just lists the videos, I can't remember. Uh, let me go take a look at that right now. Why don't I? Okay, so if you click on the link, okay, it just takes you to, to the YouTube channel for this podcast uh yeah okay uh so you can go well, i lost my train of thought with that um <laughs> uh where was i going with it i can't remember oh okay i i, I think i got it now um i i'm gonna switch over on youtube right now you're looking at me um with my home office with this really boring background which i haven't done anything with yet um, the folder here on the corner of my desk for that contains uh, quotations for replacing all the windows in this house. You got my phone here, my cup of coffee, my keyboard, my mouse. Well, trackball. I don't like I don't like mice. So you can see all this on the YouTube feed. Uh, and so I've been saying lately, I'm going to switch over to my. I'm going to Tim Pool it. I've been saying that because if you've ever paid attention to Tim Pool, he does videos a lot where. He has 
his face in the corner, and he's got his uh, desktop uh, browser page open, and he's kind of doing a picture-in-picture where he's talking about it. So I do that, which I kind of like the format there. So when I say I'm going to Tim Pool, I'm going to go Tim Pool it. That's what I mean. I trans I transfer to that, and now you can see uh, my desktop here with the what I'm what I'm what I'm looking at on my desktop, which is my my website here, and I use that kind of as my show notes as I go along. I don't have anything written out here. I don't have any paper that that uh, tells me what I'm going to do next or anything. I I I can't function that way. It drives me crazy. So um, that's what I've got now. I'm, I'm picture in picture. So I've Tim pooled myself. I'm down in the lower corner, lower left-hand corner, and I've got my browser desktop open. So I'm just going to kind of cycle through these tabs of my browser. And I think I started with Larry Elder um, this week. And I stated that Californians that don't vote for Larry Elder are racist. And to me, you know, he he's not saying any of that. If you follow his uh, Twitter feed and and the things that he says in this in this recall election, he seems to be the most prominent now uh, competitor for Gavin Newsom. And it's highly entertaining to watch his uh, video snippets on Twitter, uh, <clears throat> where he just kind of takes you know digs at, at everything Gavin Newsom does and some of the stuff that's happened over the last week. Especially, we're we're pretty good with the. Uh, Gavin Newsom's kid and the masking and some, I forgot what the camp was, whatever. But here's the thing. California has never had a black governor. I don't even, I, I don't live in California, never lived in California. I've been there many times because my wife has family there. But um, I don't know if they've even ever had candidates before that were black. I never paid much attention to California's elections. But I do know that California has never had a black governor. So, according to today's uh, social, what do you call it, social mores, or uh, according to everything that we've learned over all the protests of 2020, is that we are striving for equity. Not equality, but equity. So, what would, what would show more equity for California than to elect its first black governor? Not only that, but their first black governor that is also a conservative. You know, the the rarest of all creatures, according to <laughs> which I don't think is necessarily true. I think, I think uh, there's a lot of black people that are conservative, and not just the prominent ones. I think, uh, you know, the conservative uh, philosophies uh, fit more with black people and their culture than the democratic side. Uh, than the liberal side. And and really, the liberal side, they're not liberals. They're illiberals. Everything that they are doing these days is illiberal. It's not, provo- it's not promoting liberalism. Progressivism is... It, doesn't, it has nothing to do with progress. But anyway, back to Larry Elder. I'm going off in all directions because I'm just throwing this in. So I said that anything less than, ele- than tossing out Gavin Newsom and electing Larry Elder would be an affront to all black people across America and proof of white supremacy and white privilege. So to me, the liberals or illiberals, as I'm starting to call them, and the the woke, whatever the hell, I mean, everybody throws that around now, but the uh, 
the Black Lives Matter movement, anybody who's calling for equity, there is no, if you are calling for all those things, there is no excuse, and you live in California, there's no excuse not to toss out Gavin Newsom and elect Larry Elder. Uh, okay, I ran into the tweet, this lady on the tube, as I like to call it in, in the UK. It's, uh, in, I don't know if she's in London or where the hell she's at, but she's in a subway car and she's all by herself and she took a selfie with her and her mask and she just the, needed to scream the virtue because there was nobody there to see that she had her mask on. So she had to tweet it to the internet, going to keep wearing my mask on public transport, even when it's just me on the tube. So my opinion was that there's no limit to uh, people's need to prove that they're idiots. And I, you know, some people were telling me it was not not nice to call people dumb, but she's fucking dumb. Equity for elder, I already covered equity for elder. And I think that that's necessary. Oh, I had the, <clears throat> oh, there's a story in the Wall Street Journal. And the, they had the death map. Well, that's not the one that I wanted. They had the case map first. New cases. And I think it looks worse today than it did when I when I actually pulled this up on the Wall Street Journal. Let me see if the if the link still works. Oh, of course. Okay, COVID nineteen tracker. Okay, the map I think looks pretty much the same today as before. Well Louisiana's lit up even higher and so is Georgia, so they're they're lighting up uh, the southern Midwest and the southeastern states more today than before. Even going all the way up into southern Illinois and Kentucky. Anyway, um, so they had this beautiful map to scare you with, and it was new cases by county. So then you know. It, this was prominent up on the front page of, of the Wall Street Journal. So then I click over, I, I go to the story, and I, okay, they have different tabs. New cases, new deaths, cumulative uh, cumulative cases. You know, I don't really care much about new cases. I don't really care much about cumulative cases. So I thought, let me go take a look at deaths. And I, I clicked on the death map. And maybe Florida's not reporting it anymore. I don't know if they're cooperating now with the CDC because it's they. I think they view it as unnecessary. But you click over from you go from cases to deaths, and you see the fear is not real. You got this bright red and dark dark red um, throughout the so south, southern Midwest, all the way through uh, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, some in Alabama and Mississippi. And, but Florida's lit up. But then you go to, to deaths. Florida's stark white. All of them are pretty much stark white, um, which means that you know there are very few deaths. So if there's a ton of cases and nobody's dying, what are we looking at here? Let me look at the at the at the little map here today. Let's see if they've if they've killed more people in Florida. Florida's still white, so I have a feeling Florida's not cooperating much with the federal government anymore with this stuff, which is good, fine by me. But if you look at this, even today, okay, new cases, they've brightened up the map all across Missouri and Arkansas and uh, Louisiana, Florida, that's creeping up north into Georgia, um, you know, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Texas. They're lighting up Texas now. But when you click over to new deaths, there's very few people dying. 
Very few people dying. So what are we doing? What are we doing with this fear porn bullshit? I hope that doesn't get me taken down off of YouTube. Uh, not that it really matters, but if, uh, if the video gets reposted with some patches of silence, you'll know why. All right, let's go through. Frontline front line COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance Weekly Update. Oh, okay, well, this is something that you should probably go back and look at. Um, there was a video update by the FLCCC, and they kind of covered being censored by big tech and what they had to go through and how they were deplatformed. They were even deplatformed and removed from LinkedIn. And PR Web, PR Web, PR Newswire, organizations that are just there to disseminate public uh, press releases, rather, they banned them <laughs> from posting their press releases. So the suppression is out there on uh, the uh, COVID frontline doctors, the, uh, the FLCCC, um, their coverage of ivermectin and um, their clinical experience. So they, they, there's a little, I put up a little slide um, from their video which showed censorship by the numbers. Facebook, they have three offenses. The next offense gets them deplatformed. They were uh, had a one-week lockout from Twitter. They've had 11 videos removed from YouTube and a channel lockout until October. And Vimeo, Vimeo, they had one video removed. So the place where they're finding freedom right now is on Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E. -E. Uh, you can go find them there or just go to flccc.net. And there's so much information that you're going to get there from these are real doctors seeing real patients, uh, leaders in their field. Uh, this is not, you know, it's not Dr. Fauci and it's not Dr. Walensky. Um, it's not your government shills. These are people who are very concerned about patients. They see patients. They treat patients. And it's, it's a good place to go for some unbiased information. Oh, and I think it may have been in that same video. They posted the death statistics of five different drugs having to do with, I, no, not all, not all are with COVID-19, but um, they compared ivermectin, remdesivir, I can't pronounce this other one, uh, tocilizumab, whatever the hell it is, COVID-19 vaccines, they've got them all lumped together, and tetanus vaccines. So ivermectin, which is the drug that uh, they've been um, uh, promoting for the use of treating COVID-19 for uh, uh, prophylaxis, for, for preventive, as well as for treatment. Um, it's Since they started reporting adverse events, this is according to a service called VigiAccess. It's a, a service that they put up. <clears throat> but you can go to that video and look at it for more info. It's it's more complete there. But uh, just to cover the basic, they showed ivermectin since 1992, only 16 deaths and uh, 4,669 adverse events reported. Remdesivir, since only 2020, had 417 deaths, 5,297 adverse events. The drug I can't pronounce... Tocilizumab, <laughs> uh, since 2005, 764 deaths, 47,086 adverse events, and the beloved COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, 
since 2021. This is according to VigiAccess. This is not including the numbers out of the VAERS system, which I guess by whoever you're listening to, they may be reliable, may be unreliable, may be overreported, underreported. Nobody fucking knows. But according to VigiAccess, and I, you know, since these doctors are looking at this, I trust what they're looking at. From since 2021, because obviously the vaccines were just rolled out at the beginning of the year, there have been 8,500 over 8,500 deaths, 8,532 deaths as reported or recorded by VigiAccess. I don't think any other vaccines have had that many deaths and allowed to continue. Anyway, adverse events reported so far, 1,490,915. Compare that to the tetanus vaccine. Since 1968, only 32 deaths and 14,697 adverse events. Something's going wrong here. I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know... Obviously, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a guy that looks and reads the news and tries to put together what this guy says and what that guy says and does any of this make sense combined with life experience about, you know, I'm, fi- I'm going to be 55 this year, so I got a little bit of life experience now underneath me. I've had two children. I've put them all through school. I've dealt with their illnesses. I've dealt with my own illnesses. So... You know, it's not totally uninformed. It's just common sense. And, you know, given uh, how vaccines are supposed to work, I I don't know what the hell's, what the hell we're doing with this, with this stuff. Okay. January 6th. I said, I said, January 6th, the day the truth died, the United States government's holding almost 600 political prisoners. In, on uh, Insider.com, they reported since supporters of then-President Donald Trump swarmed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, forcing Congress to go into lockdown, damaging the halls of government, 590 people have been arrested and charged with crimes. They've been holding them for months. Many of them have committed no violent crimes. The United States government's also suppressing evidence and denying the accused the right to view the evidence against them unfettered. Uh, On the website AmericanGreatness.com, the Justice Department in numerous cases is seeking protective orders to rigorously limit how surveillance videos handled by defense attorneys. Recordings have been deemed highly sensitive. Government material subject to onerous rules. The accused only have access to the evidence in a supervised setting. Clips cannot be copied, downloaded, shared, or reproduced in any fashion. So there there were cameras all over the Capitol building. And there was video taken, security video. And it's being held, and these are in public areas. These aren't even cameras from private access areas. These are cameras that are watching things that are happening in public areas of the Capitol, where people, where the general public walks around. And they're holding this video and not showing it to anybody. They're not releasing it to news organizations. They're not releasing it to the defendants. Um, CNN, ABC, Wall Street Journal, they've all petitioned the government to try to get these records, and they're not showing it. How is what we're doing with these people who went to a protest, a protest, admittedly, that got out of hand, and I know people are saying that that just soft pedals it. Stuff happened. You know, but it wasn't to the level of other protests and riots. The only difference is that it happened uh, at, at the Capitol, on Capitol Hill, in the building where our elected officials are. Officials are. 
And I think that that's the main difference is that these people finally, the, the, the protests came to their door. They didn't give a shit when it was happening in Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, you, you know, you name the city. They didn't give a shit when it was happening all over the place, when private businesses were getting destroyed. And granted, it wasn't for the same thing. It was for different issues. But the protests were just. Let people speak out. Mostly peaceful protests. We all remember that crap from CNN. But suddenly it's at the doorstep of Congress. Scare the shit out of them, which it should have. It was a protest. It was a protest. Protest that got out of hand. The people should have never broken into the Capitol building itself. You know, and there's still all the disputes of, okay, did the Capitol Police let them in willingly? There's video of some of that where they let them through the barricades um, willingly, you know. And yeah, I know there's video of people, of cops fighting with protesters and stuff, so we all know that shit happened. But it definitely wasn't the insurrection they're painting it to be. And I'd like to know how what we are doing is different than what Cuba just did to the people protesting in their streets. In the Wall Street Journal, they said, Scores of Cubans who participated in recent mass protests have received sentences up to one year in prison or house arrest and summary trials without due process, civil rights activists and relatives of detainees say. Activists estimate that Cuba's security agents detained more than 600 demonstrators and activists shortly after the wave of spontaneous nationwide protests in mid-July. Those were a response to a sharp deterioration in living conditions and lack of freedom under six decades of communist rule. Uh, you know, the news have been painting it all as like COVID protests or, and whatnot, but clearly what's come to pass is the Castros have lost their iron grip on Cuba a bit. And... So the current government's cracking down. But how, how do you rectify or, or contrast, compare and contrast Cuba and the United States and what we did with protesters? It's not all that different, is it? Oh, the CDC. Masks, masks, and more masks. What our government needs is a muzzle. I agree with that. Of course, I said it, so I should agree with myself. But... No one in government is following actual science. Instead, they're following, quote-unquote, the science. The science that they always refer to are following the science. Which, the science is filled with bullshit and politics and the next election cycle and uh, control of the population. So I made some bullet points. I said, let's say below are the facts. COVID-19 affects mostly the elderly and those with other conditions that affect their immune systems, meaning, you know, as, they, as it's always said in the news, comorbidities. You're obese, you have type 2 diabetes, something else that causes your immune system to go into overdrive or compromises your immune system. <clears throat> so COVID-19 has an extreme effect on those people. Wear a mask and socially distance to prevent the spread of SARS-CoV-2. Let's say that that works. Masks don't prevent the wearer from getting infected, but may prevent infecting others. That's also been said many, many, many times, and that's been the mantra. Wear your mask because it protects others. Engage in COVID-19 social protocols until we have a vaccine, meaning uh, stay socially distant, don't gather in large numbers, you know, um, keep your, your six feet apart, your 
um, arm's length distance from people, keep your mask on. And vaccines are over 95, 95% effective. Now, that goes for the Pfizer and Moderna, which they keep pushing, where Johnson & Johnson, I think they said, is 75% effective. So let's say those are facts. So in a country where people are free to make their own decisions and evaluate their own risks, the following to me is, a logical, is logical if the vaccines are safe and effective. Vaccinated people can walk around freely without fear of infection or severe, de- uh, severe disease, which is what they keep saying in the news reports, even now when they keep reporting that uh, there are more breakthrough cases than they want to admit. <clears throat> but they keep saying the vaccine, uh, whichever one you want to take, still provides more protection and uh, pr- or protects you against severe illness and hospitalization. So vaccinated people should be able to walk around freely without fear of infection or severe di- of, or severe disease. They're protected. Unvaccinated people are the only ones at risk. You know, if, if you're not vaccinated, you know, you potentially, I guess, are at risk from contracting, from getting the virus SARS-CoV-2 and coming down with COVID-19. So that is a risk that people need to evaluate for themselves. Making people who got vaccinated, making them go and put on a mask in order to protect other people is a violation of their choice. They, you know, if you follow the, if what they're saying is true about vaccinated people and these things that work, and the vaccines are out there with no, no out-of-pocket expense, it's paid by taxpayer dollars, then everybody can evaluate their own risk. If, you're, if you feel at risk, get a vaccine if you need it. If you feel you're not at risk, take your chances. Let people alone, go about your life, and shut the hell up and stop um, trying to make people afraid to live a life. Oh, then I had this story. This was in, let's see, okay, it was a story in the Wall Street Journal I was reading. And my blog post was Guess the Country. And what I did was I removed the person's name and I removed the country they were from and I tried to rewrite it uh, in a way that um, made it country neutral. So here's how it reads. The first person charged under national security law was found guilty of inciting secession and terrorism Tuesday in a verdict in a verdict that reaffirms new limits on speech in the city and could set a precedent for future trials under the law. The 24-year-old had pleaded not guilty to the charges he was filmed driving a motorcycle that collided with police officers during street protests the day after the national security law was unveiled. He carried a flag bearing the popular protest slogan. Following the incident, the government said the slogan carried connotations of uh, subverting state power. The display of the words was capable of inciting others to commit secession, read the ruling by a three-judge panel, adding that the defendant understood the slogan to carry secessionist meaning. The judges said his acts, including crashing into officers, was, de- was deliberate, was a deliberate challenge mounted against the police. The judges said he carried them out with the aim of intimidating the public to pursue a political agenda. According to the national security law, offenses related to terrorism and inciting secession can be punishable by years in prison 
In their verdict, the judges said the man's act seriously jeopardized public safety or security and caused grave harm to society. His sentence will be handed down later at a later date. Uh, let's see. All he was doing was riding a motorcycle, um, showing a flag. That's all this person was doing. It's not much different than what's happening to us today in the United States. Obviously, it wasn't in the United States because I said guess the country, but it was in Hong Kong and China. And China. This is um, what they're doing to their people, which is what we are doing to our people. And I'm talking about things like the January 6th protest. And there was that stupid video. Let me see if I can get that. Stupid video of crying Adam Kinzinger that was going around Twitter. Uh, he is a congressman for a buddy of mine Bobby that still lives in Hughes. Illinois. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Smiling. And uh, thank you to my colleagues on the committee. Thank you to our witnesses. Now he starts breaking uh, down. I never expected a day to be Here he goes. <clears throat> Choked quite up. as emotional <laughs> for me as it has been. Uh, I've talked to a number of you and gotten to know you. I think it's important to tell you right now, though. You guys may, like, individually feel a, a little broken. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with, and, you know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. Poor Adam. You guys held. You know, democracies All right, enough are of <laughs> Enough of Adam Kinzinger. Uh... Enough of Adam Kinzinger. Jesus Christ. What what the hell's happened to us? Okay, I said the FDA is not following the science on ivermectin. I hope this stuff doesn't get the YouTube video flagged again. Uh, there was a, a an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Okay, this is not from me. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Respected news organization. It's one of the safest drugs ever developed, and the FDA is painting it more dangerous than experimental mRNA vaccines. The agency is not following science. This is, what, this is me talking right now, sorry. The uh, agency is not following science and is misleading the public. How many people are suffering and perhaps dying because the FDA will not authorize ivermectin for use in treating COVID-19? The article in the Wall Street Journal points out 4 billion doses of ivermectin Ivermectin have been administered since 1998. Four billion. Only 28, 28 serious neurological adverse reactions. It's been deemed safe for pregnant women and children. So what's the agenda? Uh, from the Wall Street Journal, the uh, columnist, or the I forgot who wrote the op-ed, but they said uh, some 70 clinical trials are evaluating the use of ivermectin for treating COVID-19. The statistically significant evidence suggests that it is safe and works for both treating and preventing the disease. In 115 patients with COVID-19 who received a single dose of ivermectin, none developed pneumonia or cardiovascular complications, while 11.4% uh, of those in the control group did. Fewer ivermectin patients developed respiratory distress, fewer required oxygen, fewer required antibiotics, and fewer entered intensive care. Ivermectin-treated patients tested negative faster in four days instead of 15 and stayed out of the hospital in nine days on average. I'm sorry, and stayed in the hospital nine days on average instead of 15. Ivermectin patients experienced 13.3% mortality compared with 24.7% uh, 
24.5 in the control group. So I, I was surprised to see it in the Wall Street Journal. Um, everybody else has stayed away from ivermectin. It's been uh, the the boogeyman of COVID-19. Um, I guess, you know, if you look at um, the emergency use authorization and experimental vaccines and vaccines in general, if there is a therapeutic, if there is medication that is not a vaccine that can be prescribed to treat the illness, then a vaccine cannot be approved. And I think that's the big push against a drug like ivermectin. You know, it, it's starting to look more and more like it's effective. Uh, you know, the clinical experience of the front care, front uh, line critical care, uh, I forget their, it's, it's a horrible name, flccc.net. That much I know, that much I can remember. I can never remember the order of whatever the hell they, they say. Frontline critical COVID critical care, critical COVID care, I can't remember what it is. But whatever it is, um, those guys are showing every day that this drug has efficacy and it's safe. So that may be the push, um, you know, to why they want to uh, get rid of the information on the drug so vaccines can be approved. I said DeSantis for president. You're in a situation now where a lot of the folks who are not taking it, it's accessible to everyone, you know, they have different reasons for why they don't take it. And I think that the more they're hectored by government officials or some of these folks, over. that is not gonna, gonna get them to yes. I can tell you that right now. I think, I think these are folks that, that have skepticism of authorities. Uh, I think they have different reasons why they may not do it. I don't think most of them think COVID is a hoax or anything. I think that they understand. Some of them are very young and healthy, and they're making the calculation that, that they'll so likely be able to handle it. Refreshing. I understand that, too. But as you're trying to reach some of these folks, I think it's important to just to be watch honest with them about, about the risks respect of, of COVID. If, personal are, liberty. if they are in a less risky category, you should just be honest with that and not try to scare people into taking it, which a lot of these authorities have done. They see that, and I think that they're, they're very keen on that. So what my view has always been is these vaccines, and you can look at the EUAs, there are occasionally some side effects. But if you're 70 years old, man, the benefit is so much better than, than worrying, worrying about some of that. It's not even close. You know, as you, as you get talking about young kids, parents gonna look at that and maybe make a little bit different calculation, and that is fine, but just understand where we're at understand the, the benefits, particularly folks who may have health conditions or who are a little older. Uh, and I can tell you the data has been very strong. If the data wasn't strong, then we would have to acknowledge that to people. And I would be the first to want to do it. But the data has been really strong. When you have these upticks, uh, it's affecting for things beyond cases. It's affecting in a clinical way people almost entirely who are unvaccinated. I also am not, I've never been driven by the case counts because there you, go. you have people who may test positive now, we Again, know who, who are vaccinated. Common so sense. They'll be positive, but they're almost entirely not gonna get a serious illness. And so to me, it's about preventing the illness, not a positive test. There you go. That's why I said DeSantis for president. Common sense delivered in a non-offensive way. You know, a lot of his mannerisms look like Trump's as well, but um, he doesn't have Trump's obnoxious style which i like and if he ran for president right now at least he'd have my vote over other people that might be considered michael rapaport 
comedian, actor. <clears throat> he likes to post videos on TikTok. And this is him criticizing people who don't want to get vaccinated. We are dealing with a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Following the propaganda line. It is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, okay? You're listening to these dummies on Fox <laughs> News who are questioning and ridiculing and criticizing the vaccination. And now he gets slapped with reality because he's fully vaccinated and he can't understand what's happened with the CDC's new announcement about masking. I, uh, I just the, watched... The pain on his face. Uh, <laughs> the confusion. Fauci and CNN and Fox. There's smoke coming out of his uh, head. Tell me that people with the vaccine, vaccinated people, are now spreading <laughs> the coronavirus. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago, I was a yes, I'm vaccinated. Done a while. Sticker, yay! I'm vaccinated. Be a hero. Be vaccinated. I went from being a hero because I'm vaccinated, and now you motherfuckers are calling me a super spreader? <laughs> I ain't no fucking super spreader. Uh, you are. Figure this shit out. Uh, well, it's not up to them. It's up to you. You're a fucking super spreader. It's, pro it's now proven. It's fact. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just got such a kick out of it when you see that first video of him admonishing people and get your fucking vaccine, you stupid idiots. Stop criticizing the experts. <laughs> and then when reality slaps him in the face when he now has to be told to, to wear a mask again, it was just it was classic to me. Uh, investors in China finally learning that China has no place is no place to invest. It's because the Chinese own everything. You own nothing. They have special vehicles that investors have to buy into in order to invest in a Chinese company. Uh, and China's clamping down on that, so people are finally like, hey, this isn't such a hot idea. There's no actual private property there. Hmm. Hmm. Better get my money out. I don't have my money there, so I'm okay. And I said, maybe the CDC and Fauci went too far. Um, and then uh, I think I've seen this guy before. Uh, the hard hat intellectual and his Twitter handle is Melanie Musi. So I don't know if that's, if that's his name, Melanie for a guy, but whatever. doesn't matter. The thing is, is that he is saying what normal people all over the country are saying, what some people across the world are starting to say, and he's disgusted with it. What up everybody? <laughs> Boy. We're all recording now. We're all doing something online. All right, so a lot of madness is happening today, right? I didn't really have a lot of time to pay attention to it. Crazy-ass day at work. Mad busy. I'm dirty. I'm covered literally concrete. Like, try to make the whole country have to get vaccinated literally in this. Okay. Biden on. literally saying that he's going to try to make the whole country have to get vaccinated literally in those words. Lockdowns are coming again. Where were all the people that were, you know, the GOP, the fascists, the tyrants, they want to take your freedoms away. The same people, no, no, yeah, they're currently doing the January 6th commission, still trying to prove that they're the good guys. 
But let me just ask people something because this is the main thing that just, I can't fucking understand with people. It's infuriating at this point and I hate to curse, but this is just absolutely ridiculous now. No one finds it odd or strange <laughs> that right now they're telling people who have been fully vaccinated that they still need to wear a mask and they still need to get weekly testing done against the same virus that they got vaccinated. <laughs> no one's going to ask that question. No no liberals are like, wait, what? Nobody on TV will. No one's going to ask that? You guys that stubborn? You, just, you don't want to be proven wrong? It's not over right wrong. You're just that stubborn. You're not going to ask that question? It's absolute insanity. I don't, I just don't get it. I, think I don't understand Regular it. people are but seeing it now. There's another thing that's bothering me just as much. No one is going to ask the additional question of why are they pushing for these mandatory vaccines when clearly the vaccines don't prevent you from catching COVID? Clearly. <laughs> but they're still trying He's to make it mandatory off. anyway. And then the final one, the final logical question that's really not that hard to figure out is if they don't have a Delta variant test, right? Then how do they know people have the Delta variant? There you go. Nobody's you asking that question. Website. It says it right there. Wake the fuck up. There's, there's news organizations, they never even question it. They never question it. Fauci's on, on TV all the time talking about the Delta variant and how many people are testing positive for it. It's the dominant strain. But nobody asks them, well, how do you know? Who, where are the tests done? How are they doing the tests? How many tests are performed? How do we know that this is the, um, the prevalent, the, the most uh, active variant of the virus propagating through the country. And then um, I had a blog post about why we've never had a successful vaccine for coronavirus in humans before. Uh, this is an old article. It's like over a year old. And I found it last year and I was looking for it. There's other stuff I was looking for as well. And uh, somebody on, on Mastodon, if you don't know what that is, um, you have to Google it. But there's a Twitter-like service that's open source called Mastodon. And I, after posting this, this blog post, somebody else got back to me with a link. And it contains a bunch of the news stories that I was looking for before about vaccines and coronaviruses. Because what happened in the past, um, and, you know, I, that's the one that I can't find is early on when I was looking into this, there was an entry in Wikipedia that's now long gone and I can't find it. It's been totally washed away. Where mRNA vaccines for coronavirus, or at least previous coronaviruses, uh, are coronavirus, coronavirus vaccines, they failed um, trials. They had to be stopped. And it wasn't because the vaccines themselves were making people sick. People handled the vaccines without much problem. The, uh, and it wasn't people, I'm sorry. It was in the animal testing phase, not people. Animal testing. And in the animal testing phase, you know, the animals had no problem handling the vaccines. But when they came in contact with the real-world virus that the vaccines were supposed to protect, their immune systems went into overdrive, sort of like the cytokine storm that they talk about now uh, with COVID. And it killed the animals. You know, it, it, it created an immune response that was over the top that ended up killing the animals. And that's why those things had to stop. It never got to human trials. 
there are vaccines, uh, mRNA vaccines, before that succeeded in animals, in some animals, but not for coronaviruses. And I can't find those links anymore either. I should have blogged that stuff at the beginning, but I had no idea that that all this was going to happen. Otherwise, I would have done it. Because then at least I would have reference material for myself. But, you know, I just, I go search stuff and and find the different articles. And it's not like crackpot places. These are published studies um, before they were published in the, on the NIH website, NIH.gov. But this article that I was talking about was from a, uh, it, it was from an interview of uh, an Australian professor uh, from Queensland. And he goes through why there hasn't been a success, successful vaccine for coronaviruses. Now, he, he says he if there is one now, and I linked to some audio um, from a previous podcast interview that, that he had as well. And he says it's been hard to make one uh, safe for humans uh, because virus the virus infects the upper respiratory tract which our immune system is not great at protecting. These are his words, not mine. This is from the article. He said, there are several reasons why our upper respiratory tract is a hard area to target a vaccine. Despite your upper respiratory tract feeling very much like it's inside your body, it's effectively considered an external surface for other purposes of immunization. It's a bit like trying to get a vaccine to kill a virus on the surface of your skin. He also says one of the problems with coronavirus, uh, coronavirus vaccines in the past has been that when the immune response does cross over to where the virus-infected cells are, uh, to where the virus-infected cells are, it actually increases the pathology rather than reducing it. So that immunization with uh, SARS coronavaccine caused in animals inflammation in the lungs, which wouldn't otherwise have been there if the vaccine hadn't been given. Uh, that's for the original SARS outbreak years ago. So is antibody response critical to whether or not a vaccine is going to work? The answer to this, we have to go back to what we know about coronaviruses that caused the common cold, according to Professor Fraser. Yeah, his name was Ian, Ian Fraser. Yes, you get uh, antibodies after a cold infection, and yes, it lasts for a while, but it's not lifelong, sort of months rather than years. I think it would be fair to, uh, fair to say that the natural immunity that you get after infection from this coronavirus is probably going to turn out like coronaviruses we've seen in the past, which would make sense. It's a similar virus. The good news is that if you get reinfected with the virus a second time, some months down the track, there will probably be enough immunity there to stop you becoming seriously ill. And this is the common sense that we used to have over getting sick and surviving an illness you know, or being vaccinated. This is the kind of common sense that we used to have. But it appears to be gone. <sighs> That's it. That's all I got. I reached the end. I didn't think I would make it through, and I didn't even take really as long as I, as I thought I would. Uh, so there, what else was I going to talk about? There, there was other things that I want to do, and that's why I should write things down, but I never do. Um, this is a uh, a podcasting 2.0 compatible podcast, and it's um, I try to use the value for value model, where if you use a podcasting 2.0 compatible app, 
um, that you can stream money to me using electronic streaming. I used to, oh, I got to put that little thing there that listed the different apps. I know there's CurioCaster and PodFriend in particular. You can use the Breeze app, and you can listen to the podcast while streaming uh, cryptocurrency. Um, it's uh, using Satoshis, which are a fraction of a Bitcoin. And what you do is you you purchase uh, some Satoshis with regular money, you know, whatever whatever fiat currency. Um, but I think it's much it's easiest I think in the United States, where you can use the Cash app or uh, Strike. I think is the other app which I haven't used, but I used Cash to to do mine. And you just you buy a little Bitcoin. You know, you say twenty bucks. Give me twenty bucks worth of Bitcoin, and it'll tell you how many Satoshis you have. And then you take that and um, it's not that difficult, really. Um, it sounds complicated when you talk about it, but in practice, it's really not that hard. Using one of the apps, it, it um, you click on the links and it says, okay, add, add, add to your wallet. So it gives you like a QR code that you can then um, take a picture of with the Cash app, and it just transfers the Satoshis over. So it, what you do is you just load that wallet with some, with some of your Satoshis. And then you just start listening, and you can set, um, you know, some some basic uh, amount to stream, say fifty sats a minute, you know, a hundred sats a minute, and then you can do what's called a boost, where if there's something that you found particularly entertaining or something you 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 found particularly valuable that you think, oh, this was good information, I'm glad I heard it, you hit the boost button, and it sends the podcaster a little bit of boost. Uh, if you go to podcasting 2.0, I'm sorry, podcastindex.org, um, you can find some links there that will show you all of the current podcasts that use the value for value model. Um, you can also listen to podcasting 2.0, their their podcast, which I guess might be only interesting to other podcasters. Um, but really, I think everybody should be listening to this kind of stuff because uh, this is the way to keep independent media independent keep it free from gatekeepers like facebook apple spotify google amazon it's a way that um, people can build their own small audience you know it might not be in the millions you might not get a joe rogan type contract but let's say you've got ten thousand listeners which maybe isn't all that um unheard of in the podcasting world for some small type niche podcast you know and they're all sending you you know some fraction of a penny you know minute by minute as they're listening to your podcast you know or they can even just send you a boost you know they, they really like that episode so they send you a giant boost of of satoshis it's a it's a way to keep the value between the listener and the podcaster uh, and get rid of the people in between so I think you should go to podcastindex.org and support them. I think you should go to newpodcastapps.com and take a look at all the different podcast apps that are out there. Um, you know, that are not uh, Apple, Spotify. Here's Podcast Index. And they, they put up on their website here just like random podcasts you could just go listen to and you can kind of scroll through that. Um. But their mission to keep is to keep podcasting uh, open and free, and a uh, 
what did, what did they say here? Pa- uh, platform of value. <laughs> I can never remember taglines. I'm, I'm the worst uh, broadcaster, podcaster. But you go there, you go to new podcast apps. And of course, I didn't do that correct. They do not have HTTPS. Okay. HTTPS, sorry. But here they, they list all the different new podcast apps. And if you look for the ones that with the value tag as a supported element, um, so you've got Podstation, Sphinx, Chad, Breeze, I know CurioCaster, um, and I know Podfriend. So there are these different apps that you can use. Some are web apps. Some are actual apps that you can download um, to use to send uh, money to your favorite podcaster if they have the value tag enabled. Uh, There was something else I was going to cover, and I just can't for the life of me remember what the heck it is. I should have written it down before because I I just wanted to talk about it before I got into everything, and I meant to write it down, and I just never did. So... If I remember it, I will talk about it next week because I am at the end. Because that's all I got. It's a little low. Let me turn that up. At least I recorded everything so I don't have to rely on YouTube. Let's hope it doesn't get taken down. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye.